accidental warlocks keep happening around me after this. Like, that was a planned accidental warlock. So it's like accidental in air quotes. (laughs) Wink, wink. Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and that was a sample from today's conversation with Lissa Beck, aka at GeekGirlLissa on Twitter and TikTok. Today, we'll be talking about their upcoming TTRPG Kickstarter for the game Rupture, how to auto-generate extensive backgrounds that could play into narratives, accidental warlocks, and so much more. If you want to hear a bonus conversation with Lissa after this main episode, or you just want to support the podcast in general and help fund future endeavors, consider making a donation over at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. At the $5 level and above, you'll get exclusive access to bonus mini-episodes every single week that range in length from 15 minutes to full-length bonus episodes, as well as getting access to the entire catalog of previous bonus content. That's four additional episodes a month for only $5. So if you enjoy your conversation today, don't forget to head on over to patreon.com slash dinners and help keep this podcast ad-free. Let's get on with the conversation. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. Be right with you. <laughs> and as I said in the intro today, we are joined by Lissa Beck at GeekGirlLissa on Twitter, a purveyor of many fine and amazing content platforms right now. So Lissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so for those that are not aware of your, your breadth of uh, interaction and content... <laughs> Please give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are and what you do in the TTRPG space. Hi, I am Lisa Beck. I am currently, uh, so I just became the uh, public relations director for Ruptured RPG. Um, It is a small tabletop game that is getting off the ground on September 6th. Um, That's when our Kickstarter is starting. And uh, I'm also on (laughs) five separate ttrpg streams now um along with uh i am a live stream producer for a star trek fan film i have my own twitch channel where i play video games and uh actually one of the the ttrpg things is going to be on my channel as well because that's my uh rupture playtest group um i also do work with a an atlanta film production company (laughs) Like, I'm all over the place, along with making my own TikTok content. That's awesome. That's, uh, like I said, for, for the uninitiated, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to dive in there. And uh, so let's, let's start with the top one. Uh, so your Kickstarter goes live uh, very, very soon after the dropping of this episode. Um, so let's start with Rupture. Uh, what is it, and uh, what can you tell us about this uh, TTRPG? So, Rupture is a high fantasy tabletop roleplay game. Um, instead of base- being based on like either D6 or D20, like a lot of systems are, uh, Sean, our creator, actually was like, well, the D12s don't get a lot of love. So, it's actually a D12-based game. Um, one of my favorite things about it is uh, when you do a critical uh, roll of a 12, we have something called exploding dice. So when you get a 12, you get to roll again and add that roll onto your original roll. And if you keep rolling 12s, which, while highly unlikely, does occasionally happen, yep, you just you keep adding and adding and adding. 
That's awesome. I haven't actually seen an exploding crit system for a while. The, I I think the last time I played with explodings was Hackmaster, which mm-hmm. is a second edition. Uh, I don't know if it's a spinoff or it's it uses the second edition system. I believe it is a core wizard system or TSR okay. or whatever. Um, but it was like a side version of Advanced D- Dun- is it's it's A D and D, but it's kind of on the side. Okay. And it was its own little, it's a Kinda little bit like more munchkin. like how Pathfinder was like right. a spinoff of it. It was, it's it's basically D&D, but more just the munchkin side. Just the kick in the door okay. and and fight monsters. So, yeah, um, I've, hence I've Hackmaster as a name. <laughs> never played anything with Exploding Dice before. Yeah. Um, it's I've played a, a it can lot be of wild. different systems. Exploding like... Dice are great because lower dice are more powerful in, because mm-hmm. you get just a higher chance of getting the same number. So you're like... Like magic missile was stupid powerful in oh, in Hackmaster because <laughs> you roll like forty four, you just keep oh. on rolling, you just keep rolling. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it was the it was kind of wild. There. Yeah, it was really weird, and the math on it was very as like what the better weapons were was really odd because like yeah, you could get one d twelve damage or. Like two d six is is way better because that's twice the chances to get a six yep. and to get like eighteen or something and and it had the same with like the critical multiplier also exploded so your your two hit would get rerolled as well so if oh, you rolled yeah. a twenty yeah and and your critical threat so if you had a critical threat of like nineteen to twenty you mm-hmm. roll a nineteen then you roll again if you then roll a twenty your crit multiplier goes from two to three. And you roll again until you fail your crit range, and you get As that number of multipliers. As a chaos player, <laughs> yeah. I love this. And then you roll your damage dice, and those can explode. Yeah, it was it was very much so like level two heroes go fight dragons, because it's just like it was a very weird system. It was very odd, but it was very Munchkiny. Like, See, it didn't I matter. love that. Because, like, so on one of the uh, D&D streams that I happen to be on, um, come to find out, uh, in Winamere Falls on the Dead Bard Society's Twitch channel, we came across an obelisk that had been, uh, you know, covered in illusion. And I apparently, in ADHD hyper-focus mode, figured out the puzzle and saw right through our DM's uh, plot for the entire, like, future and um we basically set off a celestial nuke (laughs) not only that when we set off the celestial nuke we killed the bbeg before they could actually bbeg well that's uh that's an effective way of sheet ripping an entire campaign (laughs) pretty much like you know the level four adventurers (laughs) (laughs) right off the bat because uh DM decided, hey, hyperfocus puzzle. Here, have. Yep. <laughs> so it, it uses so back to, to back to rupture. It's a twelve yes. a D twelve system with exploding crits. Sorry, I, I sidelined on that. I got I got excited. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I blame you. What else is uh what else is in your system? Um, so there's a lot of different things. Um, so I'm relatively new to the team. Uh, so on my birthday, I actually, and that's May 27th, I was asked to join as a playtester. Um, and because I was like supporting on the, the Twitch channel and everything, they asked me to join the team as the, the public, uh, 
relations person. Um, and because of in real life stuff happening with my own group and everything, I the first time I've actually had to play in the game itself was this past Thursday. But um, with character creation, because um, I've done that a couple times now, <laughs> um, when you're doing the character creation, it's actually really cool because um, with the background system, there is like a, of course, you know, like DM house rules, you can uh, set up your own backstory and everything if you want. But it has a system in there that allows you to roll for your background and everything. So, you know, you um, you roll some dice to fi find out, like, if your parents are still alive, how many siblings you have, um, like, whether the siblings are alive, what their um, role in society was, things of that nature. Um, and there's also a, something called Manitorn in there. So basically, um, in our system... Manitorn are people that have kind of been hyper exposed to magic in a way that has kind of caused them to go insane. Um, so you find out, if, you know, if your sibling was Manitorn, if they're uh, jailed, things, things like that. Um, and there's also some other history things that, uh, oddly enough, actually uses a deck of cards. So black cards are negative events. Red cards are positive events. Um, and that's also based on a D12 roll divided by two, um, rounded up. So like if you rolled a, a nine, it would round up to 10 and you would divide that by two. So you would get five life events. Um, which has been really cool. It has also been really hilariously weird when I've made my characters so far. Um, because I basically had one character, um, her name's River, and she's actually the one I'm going to be playing in the, uh, dev demo playtest group, uh, on Wednesdays, and, uh, so she has something called, uh, so I got two of the same card, and that's failed to learn. So you lose, uh, so two class skills, uh, were lowered by one because of this. Um, since I had two of the same card. But I also pulled a card that allowed me to get natural talent. So it gave me plus two to two of my class skills. So I basically managed to accidentally make my character character ADHD neurodivergent. <laughs> like I am. Which is kind of how she was going to get played anyway. Right. But it it's nice when the universe... Purpose. Yeah, when the universe kind of gives you some of that, that's uh, that's really appreciated. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, your teacher really messed up when they were trying to teach you and basically told you, yeah, you can't learn. But you said, screw you, ran off to the side and learned it better the way that worked for you. In pure neurodivergent fashion. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. I, I also really like that because there's a lot of systems that have... I mean, you know, fifth ed has stuff for background, right? Yeah. But it's not really background. It's like pre-adventuring job is what it could be called. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. But, and it but does having... give you a little bit of advantages in some ways, like extra languages and whatnot. But right. But outside of that, it's not like backstory, right? Yeah. Which is different. And having a system in place for people that don't really may maybe want to do a lot with backstory or mm -hmm. aren't you know as attached to their character and don't want to write up a whole backstory 
having something that they can roll on a table for to give them options to flesh their character out with. Yes. And again, stuff that it's it's not even about necessarily sticking to what you roll. It's about mm-hmm. finding out when you roll that dice, you go, oh, I wanted four and I got six. Yeah. And it's exactly. like, well, then take four because yeah, now and- you ha- now you have a desire to put that into your character. So do it. You know? Exactly. Like it. the thing about Rupture is that it's primarily about storytelling. Um, and, and that also kind of goes into because we also have something called advantages and disadvantages that you can take. Um, the idea behind it is like, you know, each one has like a, a point system, a positive or a negative. Um, and each side has to to even out. So, like, if you take an advantage uh, that has a plus two to its point system, you have to have uh, two more points in the negatives in order to even that out. Um, so, like, this character, River, has... Uh, so, she's got Friendly Face, which is an advantage of plus two. Inspirational, which is an advantage of plus five. Um, so because that evens out to seven, I had to have a negative of seven. So she also has compulsive and impulsive, which again falls under that ADHD. Yep. Yep. <laughs> As I say, no, I like that too. That's a, I, that's something, again, I think that for a while, video games tried really hard to pull from TTRPGs because that was yes. kind of the closest analog, right? I mean, Oblivion's a prime example of that. The right. entire Elder Scrolls series is, while amazing, um, like, there's a reason why they kind of, like, with Skyrim, dumbed it down to a degree right. um, to make it more uh, accessible. Right, and I mean, that's about. that's the same thing that happened with, like, the early, like, Fallout 1 and 2 versus yes. 3, 4, New Vegas, where yep. the, there are things that you can do in video games that are easier to do in video games, so yep. leverage that. It doesn't have to mimic a pencil-paper RPG, but I also like things like this where I think that that's starting to come full circle, where there are some things that video games have done that maybe feel a little ham-fisted in a video game. But when you translate it to a pencil and paper RPG, like this mm-hmm. system is almost exactly like, now this is maybe a little bit fringe for some people, but there's a game called Project Zomboid. Um, it's a zombie survival isometric game that's been in development for like ages. Um, it's hyper realistic in the sense that like it's very easy to die and survival is kind of a long-term thing. It's not like mm-hmm. a left for dead or something, but they have a character creation system that has positive and negative traits so you can get you know and but it has to balance out or have more negative than positive you can go deeper into the negative but you can't go you know over on the positive so if you want to have you know uh eagle eye vision or sneaky movement then you may also have to have uh you know maybe a a flat footed or you know reduced hearing radius or something like there's you know bad with weapons or clumsy or a slow learner there's all kinds of different traits and i really like traits because i think it it feats are great in something like D, but there's also no counterbalance to them especially yeah. like early on for character creation it's fun to get some extra bonuses mm-hmm. and i think D has definitely pushed heavily into lots and lots of bonuses from your class from like first to third level but then after that it's it slows down and it's like instead having 
those bonuses come from character creation, and that way you're not relying on a specific class to get those types of things, I think is a really great way of doing it. So kudos to you guys for that. Um, another thing about Rupture, um, especially we honestly could not have picked a better time to come out um, because of the TSR uh, debacle that occurred. Um, because one of the entire points of this system um, was it sprang out of Sean's desire uh, basically to be accessible to everyone, regardless of race, color, creed, sexuality, anything like that. Um, and like when that happened, I was just like, oh my gosh, like way to commit brand suicide before your brand is even back off the ground. But hey, we should jump on this moment and reiterate that this is our point here like everyone is for our table no one is excluded from our table um you know obviously barring the uh you're not respectful of others kind of people right yeah the only people that aren't allowed are the people that uh, make themselves very well known that they don't want to be allowed so yeah the, the kind of gatekeeping <laughs> people that uh obviously have made themselves well known right so um, with that said, uh, it's representation means so much more now than it used to. And I think with good exactly. reason. And, and I think that that is a good thing, right? Yes. And, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. I am a female player. So first off, like, a, you know, a lot of the game shops around me are still heavily, heavily male dominated. Yep. Um, I, I live in Georgia um you know it's it's the south (laughs) like i don't have to say anything beyond it's the south and while atlanta (laughs) is still very progressive because obviously we've got one of the biggest well-known cons in the country Mm -hmm. because dragon con is huge um but outside of atlanta if you're not living in atlanta it's still very yeah once you hit very heavily dominated by men um, and I'm also a member of the LGBT plus community. Uh, I happen to be a pansexual woman. Um, it, well, I, I am actually kind of exploring uh, with my uh, pronouns, too. Right. Um, so, like, I, I've been trying out Chive, and that actually feels a little bit more natural to me mm-hmm. these days. Um, it, it's, it's been an entire journey. The, the, the no, pandemic I, caused yeah. a lot. To oh, it shift. did, it did, it did. I love it though because that that shift hit everyone simultaneously, oh, and yeah. it's like it's like something that we just told the whole world: like everybody go sit down and reflect. Everybody go to their own corners. Everybody go to gets your put corner in, yeah, and everybody think about gets, what you did. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I think that that's it, it's. I live in a place that is predominantly in a conservative area but i am also in one of those like it's a it's a progressive dot like we're in a college town and so Ah, we've got a ton of colleges here so you know for nine months out of the year there's a very heavy influx of all types of people and it's awesome and then for you know three months of the year those the summer vacation happens and progressiveness progressiveness kind of goes by the wayside for a bit but if you go into the suburbs, like you said, like Atlanta, great. 
But like just a couple miles outside of town in any of the smaller burgs or districts, all of a sudden things get really weird. Yeah. And see, so I get that feeling. <laughs> I grew up in an area. So my area actually was predominantly like Delta pilots. <laughs> okay. Um, yep. So uh, my hometown, I, I'm not living there now. Um, I'm actually my grandfather's caretaker now, but my hometown is Fayette County. And uh, so Fayetteville. Um, and it is one of the few places that it is not uncommon to hear that someone got a DUI on a golf cart. Yep. <laughs> because the Delta pilots uh, were like, hey, I want to be far enough from the airport that I can, you know, still get there pretty easily, but I want my own little community. So Peachtree right. City and Fayetteville and Tyrone, all that area is, I mean, it's, it's its own little bubble. Like, that was the running joke. We lived in a bubble within a bubble in right. my hometown uh especially if you were uh especially if you are a burnt out former burnt out gifted kid <laughs> <laughs> hand slowly raises yes. like <laughs> <laughs> that was that kid that graduated yep. with honors and an ITS seal and uh and then i fell from grace <laughs> and then i realized i have really bad adhd and yep. i was just doing everything to hyper focus on that and that's why i got good grades and those and those skills suddenly don't translate to the rest of the real world which nobody taught us about like <laughs> hey. um so no it sounds like uh it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of really good things with rupture and and pushing for inclusivity and pushing for community i think that in just about any form of gaming it really comes down to community because without community you are a novelist yes exactly the entire point of ttrpgs is collective storytelling you are all building a story at the same time and the dice rolls do have an impact on that but how you take those dice rolls is what makes the story yeah, I I think that it's one of those things where it's like, because because you could all sit at a table and just make one story up, right? Like I, oh, yeah. I've done that around a campfire or something where you know everybody gets the next word or the next sentence or whatever, and those can be interesting, but they're generally chaotic and very short lived and kind yes. of funny in the moment. Whereas something that allows you an an amount of narrative focus but then also has an element of global chaos where no one person controls the chaos or can yes. like dictate it or override it. Like everybody is at the whim of this chaotic element while also having a heavy level of control over story and detail. And I yes, think that that's, even, that makes even it the so DM unique. GM or uh, in Rupture's case, it's called narrator is at the whim of the dice. Yeah. Um, so like everyone has that little bit of chance added to it. And while yes, as a, as someone who is running the game with the players, like, yeah, you've got some story points that you want to potentially do, but if the players don't want to go to those story points, you've got to come up with improv. Mm -hmm. Like I had an entire D and D session at one point in time that like our DM came in and was like, yes we're going to be having battle this session right off the bat. Like, you know, you do a little bit of RP and then you get on the boat and then there's a shadow demon. You're supposed to fight the, the shadow demon. 
that's not what happened. <laughs> this was a 3.5 campaign, and I was playing a bard that had plus 19 to my diplomacy. <laughs> yep. And I rolled two nat 20s. <laughs> we didn't fight. I just made an exchange. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pouch of rocks, and it is good enough to let us go. <laughs> well, like, okay, so I was playing a homebrew character that uh, was half sea elf, half siren. Okay. Um, so, you know, fey heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also had an amulet of Asmodeus that we no longer needed. <laughs> so, first thing, I was like, hey, uh, I was like, out of character, DM, do we need this thing anymore? Are we doing anything with this? They're like, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, they, you know, because we had, we had actually switched DMs because uh, ah. the other DM had burnt out a little bit and he wanted right. to play. Um, which... That's a totally different story in regards to that DM. Poor guy. <laughs> he was in for one session and then the dice killed him. <laughs> um, but he was like, yeah, no, like we're done with that. So I was like, okay, here's that amulet of Asmodeus. Cool. And he's like, that's not quite an- enough. I'm like, um, I got really magical blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> will that do? <laughs> yeah, apparently that definitely did. sweetens the deal a bit. So. But that that poor DM, like he was playing a, a wild magic sorcerer. Um, his wild magic surges were fine. He didn't get screwed over by that. What did get us screwed over was later on we ran into some cultists and uh, got our throats slit. Um, and we basically had a divine intervention moment. DM says, "Okay, roll a d100. If you get higher than a five, you live." What does this poor guy roll? He rolls a five. (laughs) (laughs) On an actual D100, which made it even more hilariously epic. Right. Because you watch that. I mean, a D100 is basically just a ball. Yeah, it's it's pretty much a ball. We watched it roll around the table (laughs) and then stop on the five and we're like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) His wild magic wasn't what killed him. Right, right. Which you would think that would be the thing that would take you out if it's if anything's gonna. Yeah, as a wild magic sorcerer, that's the thing that's most likely to take you out. Nope, nope. Divine intervention. That's what takes him out. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, well, we got a couple other things to get to. We, I wanna, I wanna jump into, uh, five separate TTRPG streams. So are you are you a player in all of these? Do you DM any of them? I am a player in all of these. Um, I will actually be narrating uh, three events at Gen Con. Okay. Um, so I've got Nautical Nightmare, Treasure Island, and the other one uh, I call Dungeon of Madness, but that one's actually already full up. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and actually, I think Nautical Nightmare um, were one of my friends actually offered to sponsor that and uh, buy the tickets and uh, do a giveaway of them. Oh, so the only one, awesome. the only one that's actually open for me is the <laughs> tre- Treasure Island one. <laughs> um, and I'm baby DM, so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I mean, Trial by Fire, I think is, I think that's probably one of the better ways to go. Anyway, I think that so many people that I have met are like, oh, I'm worried about being a DM. I don't want to mess things up. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be judged. And it's like, 
just just dive in like just dive in and get your first game or two out of the way and you'll realize that it's so not what you think it is <laughs> well, like so technically i have dm'd one thing it was an rp event for a discord server that i'm a part of um and i was that person that like meticulously did research and like all that like i have 12 pages of notes for like an hour two hour long event (laughs) so like that's the that's the kind of dm i am apparently i mean i i go back and forth i will i'll write pages and pages of notes for the idea like the, the uh, of the world but then i'll write bullet points for what i think the next session is going to be because i've just yeah. i've had too many sheet rip moments so like the world and what may happen whether or not the players engage with it the mm-hmm. world is going to go through this kind of timeline right or try yeah. to unless the players throw off this timeline while they're out in this city this city comes under siege and and just so that I ha- I'm aware of what's going on in the world so that if they run across a traveler or if they go to that city or something, depending on the timeline, they may get pristine city, they may get war zone, and they may get crater, you yeah. know, and but like outside of that, what the next session is. No, I don't I don't guess that stuff anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't like, put notes there for the RP event. It was like, OK, you know, we're doing a wedding for our characters. Cool. So that's that's why I had like 12 pages of like meticulously like written down this is what's going to happen. Oh, cuz you had the groomsman speech. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> Basically. I I was playing the character one of the characters that was actually getting married. So, <laughs> um I made so the the same character that talked her way out of uh, the uh, shadow demon battle mm-hmm. um so I brought her in, I ported her from 3.5 to 5th edition to play in this RP server. Um, I had originally made her what, like, I'd just broken up with my ex at the time and, like, ended up joining a group of friends that I had made for the uh, 3.5 campaign. And, like, you know, time had passed. I was like, I really like this character. I want to play her again. Um, but she, I made her as the stereotypical bard. Literally, when I made her, I was like, you know what? I want to play the stereotype. And so when the DM asked me what my goal was, I was like, I want to screw a dragon. <laughs> that's yep. that's what I want to do. I the whole goal. <laughs> that's That was my goal. I did actually get to do that. <laughs> but, you know, so like I brought her into this server thinking, oh, you know, this girl's too broken to get into a relationship. Like she's, you know, she's the stereotypical bard. What do I do? I end up getting her shipped with the server owner's uh, character. Um, so she's now married and runs an inn. Well, that's... <laughs> she's, a, she's a demigoddess princess that got exiled and now runs an inn. Hey, I mean, I, there are fewer ways that I can think of to properly end characters than, like, taking up a business in one of the the small towns or kooky little NPC spots, like yeah, I, love I mean, it. she got I her happily it. ever after, right? Exactly, yeah. And I think that's always, I think that's always a fun. Way. I mean, really, honestly, just ending a campaign is something that I've really not gotten to see a lot of. So 
I like to have all of those those little fantasy moments in the back of my head that my characters yeah, li- get their happy ever afters. I'm glad that I got to have her have her happily ever after. Um, her husband is now her uh, accidental warlock as well. <laughs> <laughs> and accidental warlocks keep happening around me after this. Like that was a planned accidental warlock. So right. it's like accidental in air quotes. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I was playing in a one shot and you know is we've got the two senior players that have played before so myself and another player and then we had two brand new players because this was a one shot um that uh wenzel on tiktok he was running for these brand new players because they wanted to play um and so he did like a a giveaway kind of style thing and basically drew names out of a hat um for the the senior players that had actually played before and i was one of the people that did it um, and he gave us magic items at the beginning. And uh, so he gave one of the newbie players something called the Eye of Balmora, which if you click the eye in the center of it, apparently allows the Titanus Balmora to emerge out of her prison. What wonderful. The newbie player had failed his arcana check at the beginning to figure out what this thing did. To not so, push the button. <laughs> basically. Um, so I'm like, hey, you know, maybe we, because like we had hit a point where um, like we couldn't go past any further because none of us were like actual casters um, and we needed like divination magic or something like that. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, what does everyone's magic item do? Hey, pull this thing out. So we can potentially do another Arcana check. Nope, nope. Newbie player clicks the eye of Balmora, explodes, and action accidentally causes genocide. <laughs> Good news though, didn't have to go past the door anymore because there wasn't a door anymore. Uh, right. Yep. <laughs> it takes care of the problem. That's one way yeah. to, you know. I was like, ah, excuse me. Force is not always the answer, but it's always part of the solution. But uh. <laughs> He he was the first accidental warlock that occurred outside of the planned accidental warlock. <laughs> and then in uh, the Stormcrest campaign that I'm in, which is one of the streamed ones, uh, that's twitch.tv slash the Stormcrest. Um, our gnome is like, uh, I use warlock because we're not sure. Um, like he was a ranger and now he's showing like barbarian traits. But technically, he's, like, being controlled by an Ion Stone, and it's complicated, but it's kind of a <laughs> warlock relationship with this thing, and I don't know how to describe it other than he's an accidental warlock. He's just got the it's complicated status as, as his class. That's the class. My class is it's complicated. <laughs> I'm just... I love it. <laughs> so, um, a lot of, a lot of streaming, a lot of playing. Uh, pretty solidly immersed in the world. Um, but to shift over, uh, it would not be Dungeons and Dinners if we didn't dive a little bit to your relationship with dinners and food hey. and things and snacks. I'm so great at segues. Ooh, this no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there are a few things that I do want to get back to you, but uh, some of that may also get saved for the Patreon episode as well. Oh, there we go. There we go. We have my arch nemesis, my arch nemesis, the Heroes Feast uh, official quote unquote cookbook on display there. Um, I have 
I've made my uh, I've made a few comments about that book in the past. We'll just say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's not it's not a bad cookbook. I yeah. think it's a I think it's a terrible D and D resource though. I think oh, they yeah. could have done better. No, they could have done way better. <laughs> I got it for the cookbook portion. Right, right. So, I was yeah, that's, like, that part's you fun. know, I've I've seen a bunch of my friends have this, and they've like really been singing the praises about the recipes in this. So, right, it had been on my wish list for a while. So, when I ordered something on Amazon, I ordered it at the same time. That's always <laughs> I love having those like little pickups. Like the next time I order on Amazon, I'm getting this, but I don't need this right now. Like I, I've always got a few of those yeah. like tr- treat yourself kind of wish lists. <laughs> Pretty much, like it was on my wish list that I have like open for my fans and everything. Like if they want to get me a gift, here's a few things that aren't like super super expensive. Right now, there are a few like higher ticket items on there. I'm like, I don't sure, think if anyone's you're made ever money, going to. Yeah, buy if you're this. made of money, then great. I yeah, you know, but I, I would like, never. I don't ask think for anyone's it. ever gonna buy this, but you know, if they they want to, yeah, <laughs> it's um, there. It's something that I want slash need. So Heroes Feast does have, uh, like you said, you got it for some of the, just for the recipes, for some of the content in there. Um, and uh, so how far back does your relationship with cooking go? Did you pick up cooking at like an early age? Uh, so yeah, my parents made sure that my brother and I uh, actually knew how to basically fend for ourselves if we ever needed to. And we were set up uh, to, you know, actually be adults. <laughs> and uh cook for ourselves when we were older um so like the first thing i ever cooked was i was like six or seven uh and it was ramen noodles oh, yeah um, that's a solid thing to start with yeah it, you know it's and especially like as i've gotten older like you know that came in handy in college mm-hmm. yep <laughs> knowing all the various ways to cook them <laughs> so okay so here we go are you a cook as a single brick uh break into like quadrants or are you a crush it into a powder depends on my mood honestly yeah. <laughs> am i having a stressful day i might crush it there we go there we go that's solid am i, I... sleepy and i just want a snack at like four o'clock in the morning i i'm probably just throwing it as a single brick mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah honest. it's for the longest time, I didn't know that you could cook them as like because I was taught the crush method, ah. but I didn't I didn't know so I didn't know that they were like noodles. Like I just I thought it was more like a soup in a bag. Like I oh didn't know what goodness. was in there. I, I never mean, opened it, it without crushing it. It is a soup in a bag. It, it kind of wrong. Is, yeah, but like I so the first time that I was like I'm lazy too lazy to do this. I'm just gonna throw it in with water and I'm like came out as noodles. I was like that's what this is. This, and I'm like, that's like my college, ex- not college, like maybe late teenage experience. It's not like I mean, it has noodles in the title. <laughs> I know, but it, it's not, it never registered because I never looked at the bag. It's just red bag or yellow bag. Like, <laughs> that's great. And so I was like, holy crap, I could just, and it's like all one noodle. It's, it's, it shouldn't be called oh, yeah. noodles. It's, it's ramen noodle. It is a single noodle. That it wraps like around that. itself. It definitely <laughs> does feel like that. And so I was like, you could just like, you could really lazy eat this if you want. You could just like one forkful and then slowly chew and pull and chew and you're fine. You could eat the whole yeah, thing without ever going much. back in for another. And so like, <laughs> I get the, when I'm lazy, it's just a brick. Yeah, I, I agree to that. <laughs> so I, like the thing is like, 
I will get ramen noodle cravings at the weirdest time. I will have just gotten done streaming, like, I don't know, Tomb Raider, for example. And I'll be like, it's four o'clock in the morning. I've been streaming for like 14 hours. And I have eaten. I have made sure to eat. But you know what I could go for right now? Some freaking ramen. <laughs> yep. Do you, do you, are you a topping? Do you add toppings? I do. I do. What's your topping go to? Um, so I actually, this year I had a, a little bit of a garden, so I grew some mm. chives. So nice. I've been adding chives to it. Um, I add garlic. Um, so like the, you know, like the big jars of minced garlic that you can mm-hmm. buy at the store. Yep. I add that to it. Nice. Um, occasionally I will add sriracha. Okay. Um, yeah. But I also, I'll, like, I've got the egg down to a science. Yeah. I will crack an egg when there's about a minute left in the mm-hmm. time. And it gets it like that perfect boil. Mm-hmm. So it's it's poached. Right. I uh, I do, uh, um, I'll do murin and soy sauce. Yep. That's- and, and like a little bit of murin, a little bit of soy sauce. And really, it's honestly, if we, whatever we have, like leftover bratwurst goes, because I don't. Yep. I, I don't often I, want a leftover bratwurst like on a bun, yes. but dice it up and add it as little sausage bits in there, and mm, really good. I'll I'll add leftover steak and whatnot to it as well. Yep. It, it's honestly it's great food to add leftovers to. Yes, yeah, it, it it's a great way to make leftover soup. <laughs> Pretty much. So you you learn on ramen, and uh, and you have the cookbook now. So is there uh is there an interim where you really dive into developing your skills more or has it just yeah. been kind of like a lifelong thing? Uh, it's kind of been a lifelong thing um cuz like my parents have always been like really good about introducing my brother and I to like different foods. So like by age 8 I tried sushi. Okay. For example. Um but like my dad made sukiyaki for my brother and I at a young age. Ooh. Um so and like you know family dinner uh a lot of the time when i was younger we would uh we would make tacos and we'd put a uh a tablecloth on the floor in the living room and put up a movie and we'd all just like sit and make our tacos in the middle of the floor nice for example um similar with like when we had crab legs like whenever crab legs would go on sale you know like we'd have like the jar of change that we <laughs> <Yep>. saved <laughs> um and like we'd go redeem that at like coin star or whatever coin redemption kind of thing get the coins and be like all right so this is our crab leg money right <laughs> um and, and just things like that like I, my family hunts too uh, so yeah. like i grew up trying so many different things like i've had rattlesnake yep rattlesnake's it good it gators is, it, gators pretty good too yeah um, but like the, the rattlesnake wasn't because like my parents went out and were like, yes, I'm going to shoot a rattlesnake today. It was my parents, my dad and my uncle happened to have been out, uh, getting the hunting property ready for the year because, um, they would go and they would plow the fields and like plant like turnips for the deer because in Georgia, at least at the time, uh, like hunting over bait was illegal. I think it's now legal. Um, but if you had a field with crops, that's not bait. 
So of course, of course, that, it's not. That's a loophole. <laughs> this is um, farmland and yes, totally farmland. accidental. Um, so like my my dad, uh, like we we constantly had like venison when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and one of my favorite things to have is like venison tacos. Um, but I, I've had venison, I've had pheasant, I've had grouse, rabbit, rattlesnake, gator, like so many different meats. Have you done emu? I have not, but that's I, not- Emu I had as a jerky and it was pretty good. Okay. I've heard kangaroo is pretty good as well. I've not gone there, but, um, uh, yeah. So, so you, you, you getting, you did mention though, that there was kind of a phase where, your cooking gets kind of kicked into high gear? Uh, you know, like once uh, I kind of had moved out from my parents for a bit, you know, like when you're doing the adulting thing. Right. Um, like Pinterest is a great, great place, guys. That's true. That's true. Um, I think that the, the, the internet has changed so many things about just growing up. Like, and, and I think that being able to access recipes from like a cell phone Mm -hmm. uh by the time you hit 18 being able to just like "Ah, how do i do whatever um you know i think that that change because i like i had that transitionary growth like it's not like recipes weren't on the internet when i was 18 i was 18 in like 2003 so you know the internet's a thing but cell phones are still expensive and smartphones really aren't a thing yet yeah, like, so the ease right of access. As I was still... getting out of high school was when like smartphones really started making their debut. Like when I was sixteen, that's when they, fifteen or sixteen, that's when they came out with the iPod Touch. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, and so like I know I'm dating myself here. <laughs> that's I did too. That. I did very directly. So, but I think um, I've done that on previous episodes. So, but like you know. I didn't get my first smartphone till I was in college. Right. Yep. Same. I mean, I, actually, I was, I was, uh, no, I was in my early 20s by, by the time I got a, no, that, that's, yeah, you know, like mid, well, uh, actually, mid, mid 20. God, I don't, I don't want to try to find the year because that's in a, that's in a, I know what my first smartphone was. It was actually a Windows remember. phone, but mine uh, was like a cheesy, uh, HTC that like ATT was doing for free one time. The Wing was a really popular, like the wing was a great smartphone to start with, but that one mine sucked. They, they took away <laughs> our buttons. I miss our buttons. <laughs> I miss haptic feedback's not the same. I miss actual buttons. <laughs> I some days I miss buttons, other days not so much. Um, because the buttons buttons would get stuck. Buttons would That's true, working. and you could you can you can't they would get gross. They would definitely get gross. Yeah. So a screen is a lot easier to wipe down. I guess I'll I'll give some credence there. Maybe yeah. I'm just old and curmudgeon like, right now. So. <laughs> my my first cell phone was one of those like little stereotypical Nokia's. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't get the Nokia. I got the singular flip phone, like oh, okay. the clamshell, the gray clamshell flip phone. Well, see, I wasn't like... <laughs> allowed to have a cell phone until I was like in eighth grade, and I happened to have been doing track. Um. So my mom was like, while you're at track meet, so I can find you, here's a Virgin Mobile Nokia, because the only time you sh- you should be using this is while you're at track meets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then, like, 
my freshman year of high school, my brother and I went uh, trick or treating with some friends and he lost the cell phone because we had split up and like some of my friends actually did have cell phones. So like if we needed to get in contact with one another with our groups, we could. But while he was out, he dropped the phone. So I got mom's uh, Motorola Razor, the the original Motorola oh, Razor. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a classic one. Tiny flip phone. It's so thin. It's microscopically uh, thin. Like uh, most phones are the thick of a ra- the thickness of a razor now. Oh yeah, like, like yeah. they're just all razor thin. But, but at the time, uh, that was that was that huge. was yeah, that was big. Um, but I got that as a hand me down, and my brother got one of the clamshell flip phones. Yep, because like he did football his eighth grade year, and or no, that would have hit. That was his seventh grade year. My bad. Um, but he was he was doing football that year too. Um, but yeah. No. <laughs> we we we've wandered from topic to topic for sure. Um, I love it though. I love it. ADHD and yep. I'm <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. A hundred percent. Um. Well, I do want to make sure uh, as we approach the end of the episode, I always make sure to cede the last few minutes of the floor to my guest. Uh, so whether it is about Rupture, the Kickstarter starting tomorrow, or uh, any of the other things, any topics that you would like to bring up uh, that we haven't discussed yet, or any shout outs or tidbits of wisdom or anything else of the sort that you would like to take, uh, I will give the floor to you. This is your space. Alrighty. so first thing I'm gonna mention is, yes, we do have the Kickstarter starting tomorrow. And uh, you can find out about the world of Toral by going to rupturerpg.com. Uh, we will have the link for the Kickstarter there as well. Um, we have some early bird special Kickstarter things that will be occurring um, at this time because this is before everything. I don't know what they are yet, but um, they will be there. They will be some pretty awesome things. Uh, I've got an idea of what we're doing, but we haven't set those in stone yet. Um, now another thing, uh, as mentioned earlier, I am on five different TTRPG streams. So, uh, first off twitch.tv slash the stormcrest. I play a tiefling assassin, uh, who is absolutely ridiculous. I'm very scared for her future right now, um, <laughs> because, uh, we did have some, uh, prophecies about our characters kind of near the beginning and uh her prophecy is kind of scary uh she she might be potentially uh the the bride of like some demon king thing uh that's a thing <laughs> um also winamere falls on twitch.tv slash dead bard society i'm playing another tiefling on that one um Sarlai's melodia uh she is a bard if you could not tell by the uh valor name um that is the one that accidentally set off the celestial nuke. <laughs> um, there's some really crazy stuff that happens in there. It's a, a great team. Uh, there's also Rose and Dragons. Um, that is twitch.tv slash nerdworks. All of these will be linked on my link tree, by the way. Um, I am playing a species redacted. <laughs> on that one she's a rogue cleric um and it's 
also going to be a podcast, so that will be available wherever podcasts are found. Um, there's also twitch.tv slash druidlocks. This is the official Ruptured Dev Team stream. Um, that is on Wednesdays. Um, and that's that's our actual demo for everyone. You should definitely check that one out. And then also, um, hopefully this is still continuing, but uh, you should check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash geekgirlissa. Um, my Rupture playtest group will be playing on Thursdays. Awesome. And we will have a link to your link tree, which has all of the specified and more down in the show notes so be sure to check that out uh lissa uh thank you so much for joining me on this episode and uh for everyone else out there i'll hopefully see you on the patreon exclusive episode where i've got a few spicy questions to ask oh spicy i like spicy (laughs) those are the fun ones So that's all for the episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, consider clicking that star rating or dropping a review in your podcast app of choice to help boost the algorithm gods and bless this podcast to more people. All of the links and contact information discussed can be found down in the show notes. And if you want to keep in touch, you'll find that I am most active on Twitter at anddinners. That's A-N-D-D-I-N-N-E-R-S. If you're interested in supporting the show or want access to the entire back catalog of bonus content, then think about making a donation over to patreon.com slash and dinners, where you can get access to bonus episodes like today's with Lissa and I, where we talk about her TikTok zero to hero adventure, growth and development, gatekeeping, and thoughts on one shots versus longer campaigns. Or if you just want to help keep this podcast ad free, consider tossing a few coins over once again at patreon.com slash dungeons of dinners. If you're looking for other great podcasts to listen to, check out my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long-form podcast about why gaming matters, available everywhere podcasts can be found, co-hosted by myself and my dear friend, Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.